0: What if everything came with a free Star Wars audiobook from Audible, like at the cantina? I'll take a half cap spotchka, lightweight.
1: Here's your free audiobook
2: download for Master and Apprentice from Audible.
0: Or getting your Podracer serviced.
2: My pod racer needs upgrades to the coupling and stabilizer.
0: And here's your free audiobook download for Resistance Reborn from Audible. Life in the galaxy doesn't work that way, but there is
2: one place you can go where you can get a free Star Wars audiobook from Audible. And
3: that's utini.com slash audible. Click the audible logo and start your 30 day free trial, which includes a free audiobook download.
2: So visit utini.com slash audible and get your free Star Wars audiobook download today.
0: Hey there, this is Kevin Scott. I'm the writer of Dooku Jedi Lost, and you're listening to the Living
3: Force Podcast. Welcome to the Living Force Podcast. Be
1: mindful of the Living Force, young Padawan.
3: A Utini production.
1: A sense of plot to
2: destroy the Jedi. Episode 56, Clone Wars Talking. The name's Rex. But you'll call me Captain or Sir. On this episode, how much Star
1: Wars did you watch on May the 4th? I was destined to become so much more. Plus, your book reviews. Let's well, sure complicate things, Commander. And
0: the Utini team talks the Clone Wars.
1: Ahsoka. My name is Ahsoka Tano.
2: And now, here are your hosts. Looks like we got ourselves a batch of Shawnees, Commander. Dr. Corey Helton, Eric Eilerson, Dr. Charles Hankel, and Wes Jenkins. Utini! <laughs> going right. testy, going. Testy, testy. We that. got bars. We got bars. We got beers. It's uh, sunny. It's it like sixty degrees here today, which also throws me off. Yeah, it was
0: cold. I almost needed a jacket to cut my grass earlier. It was weird.
2: Oh my god, old dad Corey energy right there. <laughs> Hang it up, <laughs> windbreaker. Oh,
0: you want to hear some? You want to hear some more old dad Corey energy? Desperately. Uh, this this week, I've been getting quotes from flooring people. I'm thinking about replacing all the flooring in my house.
2: Well, you know what? That right. news absolutely floors me, and so does episode 56 of the Living Force Podcast. Welcome, everyone, <laughs> to our celebration of the end of the Clone Wars. I am Eric Eilerson, one of your hosts, and with me, as always, on this very early in the week recording, are the doctors. We have Dr. Corey Helton, the Floor Master. Hello.
0: The, floor master, oh, the, the floor master,
2: the stair master. The stair of the floors. We also have Dr. Charles Hankel, Dwayne <laughs> Wade's number one fan. Hey, buddy.
3: Hey, I'll take it. What's going on? Yeah,
2: you're repping you're, you're your heat today, so I decided I would, I would throw Always, that out. Always, man. And then he is wearing an Under Armour shirt, Wes Jenkins. <laughs> What's, up? <laughs> What's up? buddy? Oh, We are the Living Force Podcast. We are here this week to talk about... The Clone Wars. Due to some scheduling stuff, we are recording this a full week ahead of public release on Friday, Thursday, May 7th. Oh my, see, I still got it wrong. It's Thursday, We just May had 7th. the conversation, Eric. I know. So if there is a bunch of news that comes out before this episode drops, we're sorry. We probably talked about it in Discord. But today, it's all about the end of the Clone Wars. <laughs> Y'all... Before we get into that, though, we got a little bit of news. How was our event on May the fourth? Let's talk about that a bit for the people that, that was, weren't able to oh join man. us. Oh man, that
0: was a that was a that was a ton of fun, man. Um, if you if you weren't around for May fourth or not on our Patreon, you missed out. We had a really good time. Uh, we all got together after the show and watched the last four episodes of the Clone Wars arc. Um. It was uh, a ton kind of fun. We had, how many people were live in there? Like 16, 17, 18 people at yeah. peak were all watching together at the same time. Yeah. Um, it was really good. It turns out it's it's quite the challenge getting everybody's <laughs> technology to work. Um, but in traditional Uteni fashion, we did get through it after the you know first episode was over. Exactly.
2: And by uh, the end of it, we found out that Jared Mays, our, our Legends Look Back host himself, had not seen the final episode. Until we watched it together. So That's we got right. to witness his live reaction. I don't know how he did that. I loved that.
3: Yeah. That yeah. was way And cool. no one spoiled so, it, really.
2: <clears throat> no, no. So no I want to say thank you to everyone who did that. That was so cool. Uh, every May the 4th is always special. It's always different. And every year we're going to be doing something fun. So I already can't wait for the next one. Um, A couple other things. What did you guys do on May the 4th other than that? Because we didn't really talk about... What other stuff we had watched? I know that we all kind of dove into our respective Star Wars content, so I wanted to get a roundup. What else did we watch on May the 4th besides the the Clone Wars? Uh,
0: I th- Eric, I think you and I both watched Rogue One, didn't we? We
2: did. That's how I started my day.
0: Yeah. I I, technic- I think I technically watched Rogue One on May the 4th. Technically, it was like... It was the middle of the night. I can't remember if it was after midnight or not. I think it was after midnight because I was I was at the hospital on night shift. So like, mm-hmm. but I think it counts. It counts. It's close enough. I hope it counts because I didn't do anything else except sleep during the day. So
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, that counts. Yeah, I I I watched it a little a little later than you. I watched it like around around noonish, and then I did Rise of Skywalker, and then I did the F- Siege of Mandalore, and then I ended the day with the pilot of the Mandalorian because I hadn't rewatched that in a while. So I got. A lot of Disney Star Wars, basically, is what I'm saying.
3: Yeah, yeah. nice. Charles, West, what are you guys? Yeah, I got home from the ED at, like, 2 in the morning and immediately threw on the last Clone Wars episode. And then after that, when it was, like, 3, I was like, screw it. Let's watch this uh, behind-the-scenes Mando documentary, episode <laughs> oh, right. 2. I so I watched oh, that. Yeah, great. That was fantastic. Then I finally yep. got some sleep. Then I watched the Mando Pilot because I was jazzed from the from the dock. Then yeah. I watched <laughs> uh what did I do after that? I don't even remember. You did Phantom man. Menace, I, didn't you? I did Phantom Menace. That's yes, right. Thank you. And then and then that nice. that ended literally five minutes before we recorded. Uh, all of Good our Lord, stuff Charles. for Uteni, so. Like on a roll. Hey, you're having a,
0: a Corey Helton manic episode. <laughs> I know, <laughs> <That's> man. Awesome. <great. laughs>
2: Wes, what about you? Did you have any other grand viewing adventures that day other than the Clone Wars?
3: No, I watched part of the uh, Mando documentary, and then I had to get some work done. and then I also took in uh, Family Guy's Blue Harvest, the first, the, first, <laughs> yeah. the first rendition of A New Hope from Family Guy, which is... So funny. So funny. you got to watch it. I'm going to watch uh, the Empire Strikes Back one and then uh, Return of the Jedi later tonight.
2: Awesome. Yeah, classic episode. The like, like TBS, I think, was running those on marathons all throughout the day. Uh, so bless them. So much good content. And I it was fun watching everyone on like Twitter and all these various places talk about what they were watching, what they were consuming. So tons of fun. We're so glad we all got to watch... That together keep your eyes out next may the 4th uh god only knows what we'll be doing then because who knows what'll be released by then but we are already stoked for it quick reminder if you're watching us live tonight um if this feed dies on youtube we are on twitch at twitch.tv backslash utini underscore us and on our facebook page utini just a heads up all right a couple patreon updates uh as y'all know We have been covering the Clone Wars on our Bounty Hunt Patreon show. This episode, we've decided, is going to take place of the last two episodes. We decided there was too much to talk about. It was too important. Um, We want to make sure everyone in our audience got to hear our thoughts. So, with that, Bounty Hunt is technically on a current hiatus. This is a constant show. It's always in the background. But there's not content at the moment. We take a break. So we want to ask you guys what you want to see next on Bounty Hunt. We have done all the Mandalorian episodes. We've done the Clone Wars final season. Um, if you guys would like us to do maybe the Mandalorian documentary series, that could be something. But tell us in our Discord. Tweet at us. Let us know if there's anything you want to see on Bounty Hunt. we love to do that for you. Uh, Legends Look Back, however, is continuously producing. Last week... Path of Destruction, the first Darth Bane book, got released, and the next book. I just got a Slack message ten minutes ago, revealing that the next book in Legends Look Back is True Set Bakura. That's right, a Legends nice. classic. Um, you guys have read that, right?
3: I no, think. no,
0: True at Bakura. I've actually never read True at Bakura I have either. Not either. Which
3: wow, which um, that's a Freddy so we'll C all special. Be <laughs>
2: Wow. Yes, yes. Well, then you know what? We're going to have to read that and uh, tune in to Legends Look Back. So be sure to read that. You got probably a couple weeks usually to read that until we release it. Uh, and then finally, The Ghost Crew, me and Charlie talking about Rebels, is still releasing every single Wednesday. We are getting to episode six by the time this got released. So we are super, super excited about that. And on that note, if you are new to this show, don't forget to subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcast. Tune in every week. We at Utini are talking about the Star Wars Expanded Universe. Leave us those sweet, sweet reviews on iTunes. Helps people find us. And head over to utini.com for reviews, articles, and comprehensive book profiles and every story in the Star Wars galaxy. Speaking of those stories, y'all, we have not had a new book for a bit. Uh, The Rise of Skywalker Expanded Edition really took the whole industry by storm. And then we got kind of quiet. But June is coming. Books are coming. This is a heads up. June 2nd, less than a month, Queen's Peril, the hotly anticipated prequel to Queen's Shadow, will be released. And on June 23rd, Alphabet Squadron Shadowfall will be released. So both those books are up on Utini right now for pre-order. You can go to their book profile, pre-order them wherever you want. We are going to be talking about them 30 days after their release. Remember, we do roundtables for every new book 30 days after. So we are going to get right back into the swing of those things. A heads up, though, on the Shadowfall Barnes & Noble exclusive. If you're a person that loves the Barnes & Noble versions every book release, they give like a poster or bookmarks or something like that they have officially pulled the exclusive edition of Shadowfall because of the COVID-19 crisis. So if you had your book pre-ordered at Barnes & Noble and you wanted that, I'm guessing they sent you an email, but also they're a corporation and might have no soul. So heads up, <laughs> you will not be getting bookmarks with your edition of Shadowfall. You'll just be getting that sweet, sweet content. Uh, one other thing I wanted to talk to you all about was Poe and Freefall, coming out in August, got a cover this week. We've had a temporary cover for a while. This week, we got a new cover by Phil Noto. Um, Y'all can Google it around. It's very freely available. We shared it in our Discord and Slack. Guys, what would you think of that new cover? It's like Poe, a little young, and then we had Zori Bliss on there. There was a Y-Wing. What do we think?
3: Yeah. It's good continuity from the comics. I think it's nice that, that Noto did it. Um, and he's got that, you know, he's got his, his flow going like he always does, but he's got just a little bit hanging down. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? The sultry stare, classic Poe. So I like it. Um, but I think Carl actually made a great point in our discord that the background of the first one, that placeholder cover was actually really good. So it almost, I I wish we could have both of those morphed together. Like he said.
2: Oh yeah. That would have been, that would have been a nice little touch. Corey, what are you going to say?
0: As usual, I'm kind of the negative Nancy on our show. <laughs> I actually don't like the cover a lot. I actually like the original cover that they had as the sort of filler cover a lot more, personally, than, than the new cover. Um, like, the the new one is, is, his face is definitely better. Like, the, the character of Poe definitely looks more like the comics. That's better. But, like, I don't know, it's like solid kind of plain gray background and stuff. I don't know. I wonder why they chose to update it i guess like usually when they do a filler cover they don't do like a as artistic filler cover as they did so i don't know it's almost like they changed it like the the other one wasn't a filler cover i don't know
2: yeah i'm interested in it as well uh quick shout out real farm boy has dropped into the chat even in my friend uh he makes a great point to our listeners if you have some breaks in your reading there's some other star wars podcasts in there there are tons of us we are legion Uh, My thought on that, Corey, is similar to Charles. I think that they wanted Phil Noto to bring the comic book continuity, so I think that's a big reason. But you are right. We got a huge sketch, like sketch cover, essentially, for a placeholder. And I wonder if maybe that was, like, the pitch. Because Alex Segura, the writer, comes from a comic book background. He's written a lot of comics um, outside of Star Wars. So I wonder if, like, does he have some artist friends that he was like, hey, I'm doing a Poe book. Can you mock up something for me? Here is the vibe I'm going for. Then I'll pitch it to Lucasfilm. Uh, that is based on nothing. That is based on no facts, just so you guys know. But I wonder if maybe that was something, <laughs> and maybe like if they do an ex- con exclusive version or something like that. Maybe that'll be that. That could be kind of cool. Yeah,
3: we need I more of those. That. Sure, we really Carol do. Was so yeah, absolutely. are so
2: good. But yeah, that will be coming. Podammer and Freefall will be coming August fourth, I believe. Um, I have started my digital review copy of it and you definitely want to pre-order it. That's all I can legally say about that. Next, we want to dive into some book reviews. We've had a ton of book reviews over at utini.com lately. People have been finding their books on Utini. They've been leaving star ratings. They've been leaving reviews. And now that we're done with our round tables, we can talk about them again. And I love that because it brings you guys into the show. We got three. Uh, so I am going to tackle the first one, and then Corey and Charles, make sure you have that outline up, because I'm going to make you guys read as well. Our first one is from Ross G. Our buddy re- reviewed The Old Republic Revan by Drew Karpishan, gave it three stars, said a perfectly fine read right down the middle. And he says, Let me start by saying, I know people love Revan. I've only played a few hours of KOTOR and never a single second of The Old Republic, so my knowledge on all of this is based entirely on my experience reading this novel. Taking this book on its own outside of the lure of its own characters and history, I found it to be fun and quick, but an overall disappointing read. As someone who knew so little of Revan going in, the book does a good job of filling in the gaps for audience members like me. It gives backstory through history and visions, and gives our characters more depth without spending a lot of time explaining past events. I think the biggest issue with the book is that it's billed as Revan's story, but really, it's the story of a Sith Lord. Revan is there more to move the story forward than to grow or change from these events. The story also takes place over a long period of time, with important events happening in the gaps. It really is a very small-scale story on the outer edge of a much larger story, and in that mindset, it's pretty good, but left me wanting more. Now, I found this really interesting, you guys, because I don't think I've ever met someone that has read Revan before playing KOTOR. That had to be a crazy experience.
0: Ooh, that's a very good point. True. Yeah. yeah, it certainly did. And I wonder if it. I wonder if it's a. I wonder if that was truly a. I wonder if that would change things like a, a good deal. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people disliked Re- the Revan book for a lot of reasons and I think the biggest one is because the, the the damn story in KOTOR is just so freaking good that like going to the Revan book which is not quite as thorough of a plot feels like kind of a downgrade to some degree so I don't know maybe maybe that's a better way to do it is to read that before playing KOTOR
2: yeah I found it interesting hmm. because I mean I read Revan last year the day after I finished KOTOR I started that book and I liked it because it was intimate and smaller but it was like definitely not the same kind of galactic scale so nice review ross we liked your mindset uh Corey, can i throw you the second review because it's based on one of your favorite books
0: yes absolutely this one is from will t this is darth Plagueis by james Luceno, which is one of my favorite authors he hasn't written anything in a while the last thing he wrote was tarkin but i i love Luceno, I've never hidden that on the show. (laughs) He gave uh, Plagueis four stars. He said, a fantastic expansion on the background of Plagueis and Sidious. He said, being my first Legends novel, I was both very excited and nervous entering this book. I thought the story was extremely expansive in detail. The relationship between Plagueis and Sidious was felt and always loved when they were together. The politics was always interesting. My only letdown was, surprisingly, the lack of its primary reason for existence, how Plagueis can create life. I'm not saying that it is what the book is made for, but this is the start for the character. I was always hungry for more information on the subject and while it was entertaining, when it was discussed, I was often I was overall left unfulfilled. However, early than these other than these expectations of mine, the story was well crafted and well written. I would uh I would totally agree with that to a lot of a lot of degrees. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I think I think part of not Giving away Darth Plagueis' secret was part of the fun for me, though actually, um, mm-hmm. because it, it comes down to like midi chlorians, right? Like, yeah. there's only so much explaining you can do before it just kind of you, you lose some of the some of the wonder a little bit. I think when you when you get too explaining in Star Wars,
2: does it sound like Will maybe needed to manage expectations?
0: Is it <laughs> <laughs> well, this is this is another. He raises another really really good point, yeah. though. He said this was his first Legends novel, which is, right? Which In the is a huge know, a step, of, it is a huge step, and a, a lot of people like. I mean, what, he said his first Legends novel. I don't know how many Canyon books the guy has read. Uh, I assume he's read some because of the way he worded this. Um, but a lot of people start with Darth Plagueis, and, and I don't know how. I, I don't know about you guys, but I cannot imagine starting with such a dense heavy read that really just goes into all this really deep dark side force lore i I can find that i find that a big challenge it's one of the reasons that we suggest reading lighter stuff first um for that so it's very interesting always hearing from folks that uh experience this stuff in different from different angles and i totally agree with almost everything you said so this is great
2: yeah i I gotta say i i i read Plagueis for the first time about I don't know. Was it a year after I started working with you, Teeny? And even that might have been too early for me. Like, like Plagueus is a dense read. So, will well done grabbing it uh, first. Joxie, we see you in the chat saying Plagueus was your second Legends. First was Bane. Wow, you got evil quick, my friend. Uh, you knew exactly what you wanted. <laughs> wow,
0: that is crazy. Oh, wow. That's the way to do it, though. Is
3: just to go all dark side.
2: Absolutely, uh, Charles. You want to bring us out, uh, bring us home with Ashley's review.
3: Sure. Yeah. So Ashley B reviewed galaxy's edge crash of fate by Zoraida Cordova and gave it five stars, uh, says it was a great romance. I often find star Wars books lacking in romance elements. If you're looking for your next romance read after lost stars, look no further. It's well paced and will have you on the edge of your seat for sure. Wildly underrated and that actually that's fair i think uh i i did enjoy that book uh we did a round table on it not too long ago it was it was a pretty fun read uh, i think it often gets overshadowed by some of the other really great romance books that we do have in young reader books like lost stars that we just did two parts on but it's it's a great great book
2: yeah yeah i really enjoyed it i wanted to make sure we highlighted it because we just did the whole lost stars round table. So I wanted to make sure we got a little love on that. And Zoraida Cordova just released another book called Incendiary. Not a Star Wars book, but we always like to support our Star Wars authors in their other pursuits even when they leave the universe. So if you want some more Zoraida Cordova, she does have some other novels out there for you. And if you want your reviews on this show just like that, make sure to look up your book on utini.com. Scroll down to the bottom, add your star rating and user review. You can also email us at livingforcepod at utini.com. Tweet at us at livingforcepod and join our Utini Discord community by going to utini.com slash discord. All right, guys, here's my idea. We got Clone Wars to talk about. We got a lot of Clone Wars to talk about. I want to talk on this episode about the last two episodes. I want to talk about the EU as it relates to the Clone Wars and the future of this time period. Because, y'all, even though this whole series is done now, it does not mean this time period is over with. So, with that being said, let's jump into the last two episodes of the Clone Wars Season 7 from this point forward. If you have not seen... Episode or episodes eleven and twelve of season seven. Spoiler alert! Matt, hit the clacks on, please. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert.
0: Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal.
2: Thank you. That's really weird. If you're watching live, I understand, but on the audio recording, it sounds dope. Uh, I can hear it. I can (laughs) can hear hear it it even now.
0: The only thing I heard was like boo 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 boo. (laughs) (laughs) Well, y'all. We should get a we should get a soundboard and just. That's add it what in. the
2: show is missing is a live soundboard. You're so right. Oh, uh, but yes, going forward, full spoilers ahead for the end of the Clone Wars. So, Episode 11, Shattered. Here is what happened. Uh, at the beginning of this episode, guys, I want to jump right into the idea of beginning with actual re- Revenge of the Sith dialogue in that council meeting. We had Mace Windu giving his actual alliance Revenge of the Sith. What did you guys think about their idea to literally? replicate scenes from the movie how did that hit you right off the bat
0: oh my god that was that was the the one thing that I think it was certainly needing was was that that pure connection to episode 3 for sure
3: I loved it yeah yeah I think that it again just elevates that arc and the Clone Wars in general and it says like, hey, you're about to hear dialogue that you are gonna recognize instantly and is gonna put you right in the mindset of Revenge of the Sith. And this is happening concurrently, like this is on the absolute same level. It blended things perfectly and there's already people out there that are that are putting together like super cuts of Revenge of the Sith with Siege of Mandalore cut into it. It's like four and a half hours long. Um, and I think that's awesome. It, it's all one story.
2: Yeah, and I think that's tremendous, especially now knowing in those super cuts, like you're saying, Charles, the fact that we know that they're going to leave a meeting and then the next shot is Ahsoka walking into a room. Like to know that timeline makes it so much more legitimate in a way, because I do think at the end of the day, Clone Wars is still for some people not as quote unquote legitimate as the film's. So the fact that they put them in the film or they put the film right in the show is literally Lucasfilm saying, No, it's the same story. Here's the words for you. I loved that. Uh and then obviously this is the episode where Order Sixty Six happens. We see it activate. Um how was it for you guys seeing Order Sixty Six happen? One, with Anakin's voice, literally Hayden Christensen's dialogue going through Ahsoka's mind, and why do you think they chose to give Rex the order from Sidious directly? Two incredibly impactful moments.
0: I have a, I have several questions about that entire scene, just kind of personally. Like, <clears throat> how did Rex know that that it was Sidious? Like, is that part of the programming in their mind? I feel like, like it has. Oh. To oh, call he called please. him Sidious by name. Yeah. 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 To put his to put his damn name in in their in their brains like that's kind of weird. I thought um,
2: it's like putting his name on their I stimulus checks. I, I... <laughs>
3: as,
0: <laughs> as far as as far as what did I think of like the way that entire scene was done? I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was a very interesting creative decision to use. Hayden Christensen's voice, rather than uh, Matt Lanter, right? Matt yeah, Scott Matt Lanter right. got the like, last.
2: Uh, he said, "What have I done?" at the end. Of the, at the end, but it was Hayden up yeah. until. then. Okay.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, they did mix it up. Then it was hard for me to tell, like, if it was all Hayden. I definitely thought it was Hayden. Like, I mean, and and uh, obviously Samuel Jackson's voice yeah. was definitely his and stuff. Like, so uh, I thought it was. I thought it was really cool to to line it up so well with the film. I mean, it certainly brings in a level of continuity that that you know lay people would be more more able to recognize I yeah think, for sure than, than doing something a little more artistic you know mm-hmm. what i mean so
2: yeah i i like that a lot too and then to have that moment with rex where where the helmet starts shaking right as he's as you see him fight from the get-go because so many people even cody in the movie where they got cody was like i got you i got you obi-wan xq over 66 oh dope yeah no problem like, there's not a second of agitation with Cody, who is one of our top dudes. And then we see Rex literally shaking. We see a single tear fall from his face as he d- tries not to shoot Ahsoka. Like, oh, my God. Yes.
0: Oh, my God. That was so beautiful. Good Lord.
3: Yeah. yeah. I, I – uh. I f- I think that uh, I, I thought it was really interesting because it really was Rex's hesitation that even gave Ahsoka a chance. Because yes. as powerful as we see that she is in this in this arc and really in the whole show, you know she is not a Jedi Master. She's not on the level of of Kiadi Mundi and, and Ayla Sakura, at least in terms of her training. And mm-hmm. those people were gunned down like immediately. Like they didn't sense it. They really had no chance. And Mm -hmm. uh, and Ahsoka was given that extra second and that was enough for her to figure things out and kind of make it through. And I thought that was really awesome to see.
2: Yeah, I I, I love that. And it really speaks to the bond between Rex and Ahsoka more than anything. You know, I I, I thought that was so well done. And the fact that he said, you know, find fives. Like he, he, he had enough willpower to get that out. And then ultimately he does turn uh, to his programming, because he's not—he's not superhuman. He's just has just enough will, so that that was a good way of keeping it balanced. But then throughout the rest of the episode, yo, I was tense the whole time. Like I was—I was, my, my yes. muscles were oh my tense. God. I was sweating, and I gotta ask you guys: How in the world did they do that? Because we know Ahsoka, Rex, and Maul all survive. Like they all show back up in Rebels. This yep. is not, you know this is not a a worry up for their lives yet. I was still tense. Like, why do you guys think that was possible? Like, how did they manage that in these episodes?
3: Oh man. I think it comes down to, it's such a powerful moment just in star Wars at all. Right. I mean, anytime you watch that movie, it's hard not to have just a visceral reaction to when order 66 occurs. And yeah, you know, that on the heels of so many emotional moments, like seeing Ahsoka and Anakin's last meeting, her getting her lightsabers, seeing all the clones who had just painted their armor in Ahsoka's honor, and knowing mm. that that's all just going to turn all in one moment, uh, it, it was incredibly emotional. Just to see betrayal on that scale is, it's just hard not to react that way. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I think the
0: just knowing that it's going to happen at any given second was like, was like the biggest thing that led up into Order sixty six. And, um, man, I don't know. The whole episode just—it's so tense. Like, just even knowing—I even comment on this. I think during the watch parties, like, even knowing that Ahsoka survives is just like, it just feels like she could die at any given second. I don't know. It's just. It's the crazy. I don't are know. Scary. They, they, they just capture that. Yeah. They are. They are and they've never been scary before. Like I commented I think previously that um they seem like they're dar- darker this time. They're off for some reason and like yeah. they were scary, man. When they were holding the door up, I was like, "Oh
2: shit." Like the whole time.
0: Just <laughs> freaking scary. Yeah.
2: Hey, you know what? Speaking of scary, let's talk about another particularly scary moment in this episode when remember Darth Maul who is in a prison, Ahsoka lets him out. One says, I'm not going to team up with you. You're a diversion, which I freaking loved. I love that they didn't just make them like, we're buddies now. She's like, no, you're evil. Go die so I can escape. Um, Maul has a yeah, hallway she, scene. She literally says, Vader I'm Vader not rooting One. for you. I loved that. I loved that. Um, but let's talk about that Maul hallway scene. How does that compare to Vader at the end of Rogue One, which is probably like the peak of horror we get in Star Wars. Like, how scary was he?
0: Oh my god, that was so scary. That's, that's,
2: that,
0: correct me if I'm wrong, I think that's the most violent scene in all of Clone Wars.
2: Oh yeah, Th- there's right? multiple decapitations and arms get chopped off and people yes. get chopped in half. Okay,
0: Yeah, I, I didn't know, I, maybe all of animation, I don't know if there's a more dark, violent scene in all of Star Wars animation. That was incredible. It was very much like the Vader scene in Rogue One, which is maybe the best scene in all of Star Wars, period. Yeah. And He's just freaking scary. Like we've seen Maul, like go crazy and kill a bunch of people, but it's this time it's different. Like he just seems like unstable. Like he's just gonna do anything he can do to survive. And I loved it, man. I thought it was sick.
2: Yeah. Um. I want to point out uh, Cheryl in the chat there. Uh, pointed out force users fight so much more creatively while not using a lightsaber, which is a great point because Ahsoka didn't let Maul have a lightsaber. So I loved that choice. Great point there. Uh, a couple other things about that episode. Shout out to Ahsoka's droid helpers. Uh, she picked up some droids. R7A7, who we saw way back in the Battle of Ryloth in Season 1, um, which was a huge, huge Easter egg. I thought was fun for Ahsoka to begin and end with this little guy. We had Cheep, who was at least based on an early design for Chopper. If you look at some of the Art of Rebels designs, which finally came out, that mythical art book was released this week. Um, there's some <laughs> designs in there, some sketches that look a lot like Jeep and then RGG one, who is the other one. He's there. I couldn't find any fun facts about him, but he was there helping Ahsoka. Uh, they got <laughs> he Rex- likes to
3: go by Reggie,
2: Reggie. <laughs> I love it. r seven sheep and Reggie we're helping her out. We got Rex into the medical Bay. And then man, speaking of our rogue one love, which we have mentioned rogue one a remarkable amount of times in this show already. Um, we had the most it's obvious it's rogue. It's an
0: incredible, area. Yeah, it is. It is an
2: incredible <laughs> film that is near perfect. Um, we had the most obvious rogue one moment here when Ahsoka is trying to get Rex, uh, trying to find the chip in his head, and she puts her hands on his head, and they repeat, "I'm one with the Force. The Force is with me. I'm one with the Force. The Force is with me." Yeah. Like, yo, what did that moment do to you guys? It wrecked me.
0: That for some reason that did not hit me as hard as I wanted it to. Like I was just like, oh, this is really cool, but I was not blown away by that. What did you guys think? I
3: I agree because I didn't really understand why Rex was repeating it necessarily. Like it was cool to see him saying it, but like that moment didn't necessarily necessarily make sense to me. I thought it was really awesome that like the scanner on its own couldn't find the chip and it took like the force on top Mm -hmm. of that. Like, it speaks towards how had no one who had been injured before, you know, and probably needed one of these scans, um, how did no one ever find this chip? But it really was buried in there. But the moment itself, that was, that was pretty low on the totem pole in terms of emotional moments for me, this episode. Yeah.
2: Well, I think the reason Rex kept saying it was obviously, uh, because he's a Skywalker. I think this confirms that, (laughs) um, it's the only thing that makes sense. (laughs) So I'm glad we could figure that out finally. Uh. But then, and ending that episode with the huge reveal of Rex confessing to Ahsoka, like it's in all the clones, right? Like you, we heard Rex was terrified, right? Like I don't think I've ever seen Rex that scared before. Because do you think he realized what he was about to have to do?
0: Yes, I think he did. And he, uh, we talked about this in our in our uh, watch party. But like him him saying Ahsoka's name had extraordinary power for me. Yeah. Like. He, like, he, he, yeah. like, you know, Rex is all business all the time. He's usually, like, commander, captain, like, you know, he had the whole scene earlier where he was like, we call you commander out of respect and stuff. But, like, no, nah, man, for him to look her dead in the eye and be like, Ahsoka, we are screwed. Like, that was yeah. awesome. I absolutely loved it.
2: Because he's talking yeah. to his friend. He's not talking to his commander. He's like, all right, all the military stuff is gone. Yes. You're my buddy. How do we live? How do we survive?
3: Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. I thought it was actually really interesting That ultimately it was like Ahsoka trying to convince Rex that they didn't have to kill everybody on their way out, like to survive. Like, you would almost expect it to be the opposite that Rex would not want to, you know, kill his brothers. But he, I guess, having gone through that experience of the chip, understood better than anyone else could that he was no longer dealing with the people that he loved. Like, their mind was essentially. Mm Wiped, and they were just instruments of of Sidious at that point. But I thought it was really telling that he really didn't seem to have that big of a problem with it.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, because at the end of the episode, when he's coming out of it, and Ahsoka is essentially overrun, he's the one that shoots the clones that are coming in with bl- blaster bolts. Like it's not stunned Yeah, he kills four clones yeah. immediately because I think he now understands the like you're saying how serious it is, or how serious it is rather. Sorry, and basically they're not my brothers i can't save them uh just put a a thumb in the chat it was a great point through the lens of a soldier it's kill or be killed they were in combat it was kind of the most dire circumstances possible and ended that episode on a really crazy note uh
3: the next episode victory but think about think about that i'll just think about that through like a personal lens too though and I mean, let's say you're in some kind of battle, and it's your family. Literally, your family is coming after you for whatever reason. I mean, mm-hmm. like that's the decision he had to make, and I, just me personally, like that's a horrible, horrible thing. Like that's that would destroy me. I wouldn't be able to be like it's it's them or me. You know, what I mean? Like that is Ballad dark.
2: Point? Yeah, it was. Uh, huh. It, it it was hard, and it leads into some bigger conversations between them for sure in the next episode uh which I want to dive into and we will in just a moment right after this break be right back that's all I got
1: hey what's up I'm Dr. Michael Hilton I'm a content creator for Utini and I am a Star Wars nerd I think I first noticed I had a problem in 1997 when I saw the re-release of episode 4 in theaters Right after, I started spending my allowance on Star Wars action figures, and uh <laughs> it was kind of a slippery slope from there. Legos, video games, posters from my room. My life just kind of spiraled for the next 20 years. The day after a particularly hard binge of all 11 films, I realized that maybe I needed help. That's where Utini came in. The community took me in, cleaned me up, and showed me how to manage my love of Star Wars. I learned things like how to budget for new books and how to set boundaries with Star Wars fans on Twitter. Now I can talk with Star Wars nerds just like me, who know what I've gone through, because they've been there too. If you or someone you know is struggling to manage their love of Star Wars, send them to Utini. Our dedicated team will work to get them back on their feet and make them a productive member of the galaxy. Because at Utini, we put the emphasis on the you. Thanks for listening.
2: And we are back talking about The Clone Wars Season 7, Episode 12, Victory and Death. Y'all, this was one of the, the best finales to a, uh, an entertainment product I can remember. Um, I think it hit everything it needed to emotionally, action-wise, story-wise. So let's jump right in. We start off Ahsoka and Rex are fighting their way out amongst the clones – we we touched on this a little bit in episode 11, but it really came to the front in episode 12. What was it like seeing Rex have to literally go into battle against his brothers that we've seen him fight alongside and lead for six and a half seasons?
0: It really broke him like it seemed like to me. Like, that that scene when Ahsoka takes his helmet off and oh, he, like, has the single my tear. My God! And he's like... Because Rex is just – he's clearly so desperate there at the very end. Mm-hmm. Like, he's clearly just at his wits in and, like, he's willing to do what must be done. Like, he realizes how awful it is, but he's willing to do what must be done. And Ahsoka brings him back and says, like, you know, you know, yes, all of these clones are about to die because we're about to smash this ship into a planet, but we're not going to be the ones to kill them. Like, this is oh, so heavy. And, and, so heavy. Okay,
2: yeah, let, let's, let's jump literally on that quote, right? I will not be the one to kill them. I think at that moment, that elevated Ahsoka somehow even higher among the ranks of, like, favorite characters, best Jedi, because that is that was, like, the most emblematic of what the Jedi should be. Right?
0: Yeah, that total selflessness mm-hmm. was
3: beautiful.
2: Absolutely loved yeah. that.
3: I agree. What I thought about recently when I was just kind of thinking about this episode in general is – how nice it must have been for Rex to eventually team up and, and find some of his brothers again like we see him with in Rebels oh, when there's a yeah. the handful of them, right? Like, I mean, he he must think that he is literally alone, that all is lost, and he's able to find some of that family again. So that kind of hit me.
2: Wow. So, yeah, whatever – whatever way we get that story is going to be incredible going forward for sure when we see rex find gregor and wolf i can't wow yep hadn't even thought about that and now i'm destroyed thanks for that man <laughs> uh, uh i also want to point out uh ahsoka has this big decision to make right when she's she's holding maul's ship very much like ray in rise of skywalker uh she's holding the ship in the bunker and then she sees rex being shot at by a bunch of clones And then she lets Maul, who is the reason that she came to Mandalore in the first place. The whole reason for this entire mission, she lets him go in order to go back and save Rex. It's like, what is that? (laughs) Was there a way for their relationship to get even tighter in this episode? I feel like somehow they did, even though I thought they were already like, we'll die for each other, period. Like, somehow this got even better.
0: I don't know they seem to have crossed a crossed a barrier from professional working to this. I don't know. It's 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 new.
3: (laughs) Oh yeah. And I think that it was the like the pinnacle of a decision that a Jedi would make, right? Like I despite the fact that Ahsoka left the order, in many ways she is more a Jedi than a lot of the Jedi that we see. And making that decision to let like a Sith one of the most chaotic Sith who has caused so many problems throughout the galaxy, go in order to save one friend in a war where they've lost countless friends. I think that just speaks so much towards Ahsoka and her mindset, and I think someone has to say the Rose Tico quote from The Last Jedi, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was literally her saving what she loved and not fighting what she hated. That That was it. I thought it was absolutely incredible. Um, and I loved that. And then to go from there to the entire action sequence, like this was a Mission Impossible sequence when that ship started falling out of the air. Like Rex getting in the Y-Wing and like lining up the shot as Ahsoka's falling. Like someone literally on Twitter edited the Mission Impossible music into it, and I thought it was a perfect (laughs) combo.
0: Yes, that was beautiful. Uh,
2: I loved that, and I liked that, you know – you have that huge action set piece. Everything explodes. Everything goes crazy, and then we have Rex just walking back with a shovel. And let's 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 talk through this final sequence a bit. Re- realizing that they went through and buried every single clone that died. Like, I not where I thought they were gonna go straight up because we never see the bodies. You know, like that's that's so grim.
0: Yeah. For what this show is, it is very it's very grim and incredibly incredibly moving that even though the clones all turned on ahsoka like she held no like ill will towards them like at all like she was just like you had to do this you were programmed to do it it's not your fault like you know and she gave them the respect of their death that they kind of deserved because she recognized that it wasn't their fault that was just that was incredible it was yeah. incredible and i don't know that we would have seen we would have seen that from other jedi quite frankly no, yeah. no. I mean
3: I was not prepared for that scene. I'm still not prepared really to talk about this <laughs> scene. I that was the moment and obviously there were a ton of emotional hits throughout all of these episodes, but like that was actually the first moment that I against my will full body chills like it Mm -hmm. was it was such a power and to see Ahsoka with her hood up and to realize that she's making that transition Mm -hmm. you know to to how we see her more uh later on it just all of it all at once was it was too much I'm still not ready
2: yeah and, and I think the choice to end this show about like that's been about war and battle and all these crazy evolutions with a quiet moment of Ahsoka just looking out at a sacrifice of fallen people that were just trying to murder her for two straight episodes uh, was so striking. And then to have the lightsaber just fall out of her hand, like, to to see that decision. What do you guys, why do you guys think... Let's let's talk, yeah, go ahead.
0: I was going to say, let's talk about that for a second, because why do you think that she chose to do that? Was that purely a strategic thing? Was that like... I want it, I want it to show that Ahsoka is dead? Um, or was it a symbolic thing? Like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I don't know. I, I was trying to read into that, but I couldn't really quite put, put a head on exactly what it was, what what she was trying to say, I guess. Yeah.
2: yeah. For me, it feels like it's a combo of both. It's, it's I mean, one, it, based on the Ahsoka novel, at least, you know, that she and Rex, left, like, fake graves, essentially, to, like, fake their deaths and go into hiding. That is... sure. But I also think, based on the direction of this episode, there is that moment of Ahsoka realizing how much that lightsaber has cost her, and how much, like, using this weapon and being a soldier... Like, she just had to bury the bodies of all these men who painted their helmets in honor of her, and it's because this war happened, and because there was death and destruction. So I think... It was her official way of turning her back on the whole conflict, on being a Jedi. Because I I do think that she had the idea of maybe coming back to the Jedi at some point. I think that there were some lines in these episodes that kind of hinted at that, that maybe she would come back someday. But this really seemed like, nope, I was right to leave. When I came back, all these soldiers died. I'm, I'm walking away. I can't do it. Yeah. yeah
3: totally and she only dropped the one in the show that we saw right i think i want to say in the book it said that she left both behind what do you think do you think she still has well, one or she or what she, was up she lost
0: them? the other one she lost the other one in the Did fight she lose remember it? i think i don't remember yeah yeah i still don't know uh, how she got, she got was, her lightsabers when back she was when they fell in the she medical bay. Maul. no it wasn't the medical bay. Yeah. It's when it's when they're about to get on the Y wing. they're she's fighting with two, and she like loses one. And then she takes the hit in the shoulder. Remember, I think she loses it then. Yep. And I don't know. And mean, she's like kind okay. of butted up against like the docking <laughs> thing. So there's a big hole in the bottom. Like you know, maybe she maybe it fell out of the ship or something. I don't know. But I just know that by the end of the fight, she only had one. I can't remember when she lost it. Gotcha. Yeah.
2: And actually, that um, I want I want to hit the the Vader scene in a second uh, at the end of the episode, which was incredible. But that what you just said, Corey. Brings me to our actual next, next point, which is going to be the Ahsoka novel and other EU stuff as it relates to Clone Wars. Because before the Siege of Mandalore ever happened, a lot of people were talking about the Ahsoka novel by E.K. Johnston because there's a lot of flashbacks in that that relate to this arc. And there's some differences. In the book, her lightsabers are green. Um, In the book, there's a grave with two lightsabers. Like, How did you guys feel about the little inconsistencies if we can call them that between that book and this siege what do you think
0: uh say that again eric what exactly are you asking
2: um how did you feel about the seeming inconsistencies between ek johnston's ahsoka novel and what actually ended up happening in the siege of Mandalore? because there's some slight oh, okay, differences.
0: okay i see yeah there are some slight differences. Yeah, and I, I was hoping you were going to ask me about that. Uh, only for you, baby. The show just in general because <laughs> – only for me. Uh, yeah, c- because this is something that I think a lot of fans really have trouble with, which is one of the things that we, we preach about at Utini all the time, is like this idea that the Lucasfilm Story Group – just has this, you know, warehouse-sized room with every single plot point that ever happens and they like look at every single thing in order to make any decisions about books like to make sure they don't like cross wires and stuff. That doesn't happen, okay? Like this is a this is a space opera, a creative platform in which the story is always ever-changing, right? And they do a decent job of not, like, explicitly retconning a ton of stuff. Like, they're pretty good at that, I think. Yeah. Um, but in general, this whole idea of being obsessed with canon is a really dangerous way of thinking about Star Wars, in my opinion. Like, I, when you when you are really hooked on, you know, this thing is canon, or, like, these lightsabers were this color in this scene, and then they were a different color in the later scene, like it doesn't really matter that much. I mean, this is this is supposed to be a universe we can all escape to and have some fun in, and, and it's not... It, when you get hung up on all these little bitty details, it, it loses the magic. And, and at the end of the day, these are films with humans, not aliens in them, right? Like, the, And it has flaws, <laughs> and you have to acknowledge the flaws. Um, because if you don't acknowledge the flaws, uh, I, I'm afraid that you will just... It, It will lose its power, and like the small, tiny, little inconsistencies with characters, particularly main characters, I think is a necessary part of the storytelling. Like, I think, I think that the differences between this Ahsoka novel and this episode, I think you just need to put them in different boxes in your head, and let's say that the truth is probably in there somewhere, and that's kind of have to look at it.
2: Yeah, and if nothing else, the biggest proponent of all that is E.K. Johnston herself. I mean, she has been on Twitter repeatedly saying that she loves this arc and she loves the changes and just kind of deal with it. It's fine. Uh, So on that note, let's tell people, going forward from now, we have the Clone Wars done, but there are still some stories that you can dive into if you want more Clone Wars. As we said, the Ahsoka novel by E.K. Johnston says a lot of Siege Mandalore stuff in it. Uh... Additionally, there are three really great Clone Wars-level stories we want to discuss and then talk a little bit about the future. So the first one is actually a Clone Wars arc that got uh, adapted into another uh, form of media before they knew Clone Wars was coming back. And Charles, I'd like to throw this to you because you happen to be one of our biggest fans of Dark Disciple by Christy Golden. Uh, this was originally a Clone Wars arc turned into one of our favorite novels. Tell folks a little bit about why this might uh, scratch that Clone Wars itch if you're missing the show already.
3: Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. Dark Disciple is one of the best books I think that has come out of Disney era Star Wars period. But I think it helps that it came out of Clone Wars too, because they, they write great stories for this show and, this is another example where the book gives an uh, a story idea or an arc time to breathe. So it more was able to be put into this story. It was really able to be fleshed out. And it scratches that itch that you want to know about Force users struggling uh, on figuring out you know, whether they're going to lean towards the light or the dark. And we got, obviously, some of that with Rey and the whole idea of Grey Jedi that's been floating around for a while. But... With the two main characters of this novel, which is Quinlan Voss and Asajj Ventress, we get that happening in parallel. And they kind of have uh, a journey of opposites almost. There's romance thrown in. I mean, there's so many elements about this book that just make it so, so good. I would recommend it to anyone who enjoyed The Siege of Mandalore because for me, honestly, the story is on that level uh, of quality.
2: Absolutely, Dark disciple. Yeah, I would totally back up all our... those things. Like, I.
3: Yeah.
0: D- S- sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> the audio delay <laughs> is really throwing us off. There's like a five second it's audio a lot, delay. Man. If you guys haven't noticed this, um. So, yes, it is. So one of us will talk, and then the other one hears it. It's, it's frustrating. So do what we got to do. Um, Dark disciple is super good. Um, it's it's kind of like to me. It's kind of like the lost stars of the of the more mainline story stuff in Canon because it, it came out. and Nobody knows that it's as incredible as it is, <laughs> um, but it's super, super good and, and totally nails the sort of failings of the Jedi. I think better than almost any other book has ever done of like, they're really, really willing to resort to completely just tramping all over their foundational principles in order to get the job done. And it's kind of what's wrong with the Jedi.
2: Yeah. This this is such a formative book, I think, as far as Jedi lore goes, like you guys are saying. And, again, we said it was based on unproduced Clone Wars scripts in something called The Clone Wars Legacy, which, if you want to Google that, it's a fascinating read. It's all about what they did with the unproduced Clone Wars stories. There were 13 full arcs that were never produced. So there's things like Dark Disciple and the Siege of Mandalore that was originally put in the Ahsoka novel. Uh, Darth Maul, son of Dathomir is a comic from Marvel that was an unproduced Clone Wars series. Highly recommend if you want some more Darth Maul, Darksaber action. Um, And then, Corey, round us out. You wanted to bring up the Dark Lord trilogy, specifically, which would get people a little post-Clone Wars action. What specifically about that do you think really ties in to bring this whole series to an end?
0: Yeah, so I've talked about the Dark Lord trilogy before on the show, but it's... Not, I don't know if it's officially a real trilogy. It's I've, I've always been very, very confused on this, and I've I've looked it up and tried to read about it, but I still can't find a total definitive answer because it's not like the books are not labeled. It's not like Book One of the Dark Lord trilogy, but like you, I think it is bound in one yeah. like special edition They're sold that way. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like where, yeah, where it's sold together as the trilogy, so it's it's very confusing. Um, anyway, the Dark Lord trilogy are, are, are three books, um, and the second one is the Revenge of the Sith novelization, which is really fascinating. So the first one is Labyrinth of Evil by James Luceno, the second one is the Revenge of the Sith novelization by Matthew Stover, and the last one is uh, Dark Lord The Rise of Darth Vader also by James Luceno. So it's like it's like a film novelization sandwiched between Luceno books, and it's very, I guess why I say it's weird that it's a trilogy, because like... How can a film novelization be a, a a book of a trilogy? It's really weird. So um anyway, the books are, are fascinating. Basically you have a um pre Revenge of the Sith book kind of all about Anakin, and you really get in Anakin's head a great deal. I mean, it's James Luceno, so he's like um you know, he's super dense and all these sorts of things, like in his books, like his plots are very convoluted. Um, and complicated, and like it all rounds out near the very end, and we get that with Anakin's story, kind of in the Clone Wars, the Labyrinth of Evil. Then we we've talked endlessly about the Revenge of the Sith novelization on this show, and then the Dark Lord, uh, the the Rise of Darth Vader, the other James Luceno book, is after um, Revenge of the Sith that takes place about a month after Episode Three, and like it 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 goes really in detail to Anakin adjusting to life as Darth Vader. He has a lot of Regret, like he has a lot of anger. Um, it's very weird. Like, like he's getting used to his suit, um, and it, it talks a great deal about how the suit has completely destroyed his ability to feel powerful. Um, like, it really goes into like, like just holding his lightsaber is not the same as it used to be. Like, his grip is, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel right. He can't bend and move the way he used to. So, like, getting in Anakin's head inside the Darth Vader suit is, is so powerful and that's why the dark lord trilogy really is a great round out of anakin's story as darth vader because it concludes with him as vader and sort of the tragedy of him becoming vader so it's really like a i don't like that it's called the dark lord trilogy it really should be called like the trilogy of anakin's fall or something like that because it really is all about it captures anakin's fall i think even better than the prequels does so it's 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 good really good check it out legends material of course but you know good storytelling
2: that's a great point. That's what I was going to say. Yes, those are technically legend stories. They are still just as awesome and important. Again, us at UT&E, we don't we don't uh, discriminate. Canon legends, we love it all. We think they're all important. And going forward, there is definitely a possibility we are going to get more Clone Wars content. I mean, you look at things like uh, in the Clone Wars Legacy, there's things like the Bounty Hunter arc. There's a Kashyyyk arc. There's a Rex and R2 story. The Zen Vong were going to show up. The Jedi Temple is going to go back to you. Mancala was going to show back up. There are so many arcs that are still in the can, if you will, for the Clone Wars legacy. And I definitely think we might see these all in books and comics in the future. If we do, we are definitely going to cover them on this show. Guys, to round us out on this episode of Living Force, though, I want to tell you, if you had to sum up the legacy of the Clone Wars show, what would you say it did? What did it add to Star Wars?
0: Mm. That's a good question. Oh, oh my gosh. Um the Clone Wars to me started off it started off kind of kind of slow in a lot of ways. Like, you know, it was a cool show. It was out of it was not in chronological order. It was all out of order. That felt kind of weird. Um you know, it definitely had George George Lucas' hands all involved in it, which was maybe a bad thing in some ways, but a lot of ways a really good thing. Uh as far as what is the legacy of the Clone Wars TV show? I think it's hard to argue that it did not do several super important things for the Star Wars universe. The first one was it absolutely filled in the gaps between episode two and three. Like it, it made the stakes so much higher that the Clone Wars was a much bigger deal just as like a time period than anything else. Um the other huge thing that Clone Wars did is it gave us it gave us an entire new generation of Star Wars fans that grew up with Original, incredible characters like Ahsoka and Rex and Fives, um, and we got to see what Anakin was like as a master, um, which he, in a lot of ways he kind of missed out on, I think, because of his fall. So, I, I, I've said a thousand times that Star Wars is there's no other film series that's as divisive, as multi generational, and as important as um, Star Wars is. Right? So, like, I think that, I think that allowing kids to be introduced to star Wars through the clone wars has, has done a lot of really cool things for that multi-generational aspect.
3: Yeah. I think that was a great point. The multi-generational thing that you're saying, it it has brought in a whole couple new waves of fans. I think for me, one really important thing that this show did was it made Anakin's fall more believable. It again, gave that plot point time to breathe. It introduced one of the greatest characters in all of Star Wars now, Ahsoka, and it used her to make that fall more believable, to give Anakin even more of a push over to that dark side. Uh, it it just makes the whole story, I think, make more sense. I think the other thing that it did that's really important that uh, hasn't been touched on yet is that it opened the door to show that animated stories can be incredibly impactful. And I think it it really has ushered in probably a new era for Star Wars where we do get a lot more animated content. Obviously, we already have gotten additional more shows with Rebels and Resistance, and now we've brought back the Clone Wars here. Um, but there's certainly more on the way, and and they know what they're doing now. You know, like Corey said, some of the early Clone Wars stuff, the movie even, honestly, is is pretty rough. But look at where it ended <laughs> up. It constantly yeah. elevated from episode to episode and season to season. And the level of storytelling that they just had with the Siege of Mandalore was honestly second to none. Uh, and so if obviously they can't achieve that every every week in and out for a show. But the fact that they can get there and tell those types of stories is exciting, amazing. I can't wait for more.
2: Yeah, I mean, you guys both basically... Nailed everything I was going to say. It it elevated Anakin. It elevated every character it needed to. It introduced Ahsoka. It introduced Rex. It made the clones actual characters and people. And we had never seen that before. I don't think we had considered that before. And I think that it made the whole universe so much more rich. And the idea that they ended the show with Ahsoka and Rex. Two made-up characters trying to stop a villain we had thought died in 1999. Is wild and shows that star (laughs) wars storytelling can go anywhere and it will go anywhere so i i couldn't be more thankful for this show i love that ending it it ended with what i will say is the best arc it ever had by far and i hope every show going forward will be so lucky we will definitely be here to love it and talk all about it and my friends On that expression of love, that is going to do it for this week's episode of The Living Force. If you are new to this show, don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Every week, us at Utini are talking about the Star Wars expanded universe and sometimes the TV shows. If you want to buy any of the books related to the Clone Wars that we mentioned and you want to help support the show, look your book up on Utini. click the Amazon link on the profile, and we'll get a few cents to help keep the lights on. If you want to help us out more directly, you can find us on Patreon.com slash or on public where our shirts designs are live now. Normally, we would do an Aftermath after show, but today, tech has been destroying us, much like Maul to the Clone Troopers, so we're going to call uh, an audible on that. We will be back with the live Aftermath next week. A special thank you to Drew Iberando, Patrick Ortiz, and our Jedi High Council, Timothy Dunlap, Roth Orlando, on our Alliance High Command. Your amazing support is, is it's just awesome and one final note from us here we want to thank Cheryl Bell who is the newest member of our Jedi High Council Cheryl you are a force for positivity and awesomeness we did not forget about you we love your support we love seeing you every week so thank you so much to Cheryl on this episode we will see you all next week may the force be with you
3: there is no hatred there is joy